0: we get started. I'm not going to sit down. Although I might halfway through. We'll see. Um, I'm drinking Clipper, is the brand. I don't know. It's a fruit herbal tea. Those are pretty much my preference the fruit herbal teas. I don't know. My wife bought it for me at TJ Maxx. Is it? You can get expensive stuff at TJ Maxx for cheap. Can get it at Target too. Keep that in mind. Okay. All right. Let's pray and we have started. And God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for um, your presence here, Lord. Um, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you um, in tonight, Lord, to just bring fresh revelation um, of what you're saying and what you're doing, Father God, that you just breathe on your word, Lord, and um, cause it to just shine forth, Lord. and ch- cause truth lord to abound tonight father um just let it go in lord and um clear out deception and um, just any like sort of worldly beliefs lord that we don't even know we're aware that we're aware that we had father god but just uh um, show us the way um jesus i pray that you would just um just clarify and uh um. just enlighten us on what you were trying to get through to your disciples, Lord, in this passage that we're going to look at tonight, Father. That you would just uh, show us um, even clearer what it looks like to live by faith, God. Um, thank you for your sons and daughters here, Lord. Just thank you for um, their individual walks with you, Father, and what you're doing in each of their lives. Father, I just thank you, Lord, and bless you for that. Bless our night. Amen. Alright, tonight we're going to be looking at living by faith. Living by faith. When I first uh, saw that this was what we were going to be, what I was going to be teaching on, I was like, whoa, this is huge, you know. This could go like a lot of different ways. There's a lot you can talk about when you talk about faith in the Bible. Um... But I'm really excited because God kind of honed in on some stuff, and so that's what we're going to look at um, tonight. So, first, did anyone does anyone have any questions about anything that we've covered, like, in the previous weeks? I know that, like, I haven't really opened it up for that. Did anyone have any questions before we go on anything that's been, like, bugging you at all that we could address at so. all? Or you can come see me after. Okay, there it goes. Your chance came and gone. It's gone. All right, let's turn to Luke 12. Luke chapter 12. We're going to be looking predominantly verses 13 through 34. Um, just to kind of give you guys the context. Um, in verse 13, Jesus encounters a question. Um, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Jesus said to them, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Um, we're not really going to be looking at greed or anything like that, but we're going to be looking at kind of the bigger picture. Um, then he tells them a parable, which we're not going to look at either. Um, it's a really good parable. But we're going, to, we're going to skip down to verse 22, and it says, verse 22 says, And he said to his disciples. So he tells the crowd a parable, and then he turns to his disciples. Jesus was kind of famous for doing this. Um, he would He would... Share a parable with the crowd, and then he would kind of explain it deeper with the disciples. But what we're looking at here, I'll give you the context. Um, Jesus, like, kind of sees deeper into this person who's like, you know, this person asks Jesus, "Tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me." And Jesus sees deeper, and he's like, "Okay, it's not just that you want your family inheritance. Like, what's going on?" And he's like, he kind of calls calls out greed in the guy, which is crazy. And awesome that Jesus was willing to walk in that kind of boldness. Um, But then he also, like, I think he sees even deeper into a root of, like, why is this guy, like, why is this guy wanting this so bad that when, like, here I am, Jesus, standing before him, and what he wants, what he's thinking about is earthly possessions. And Jesus is like, you know what, maybe I haven't, maybe this is a good time to turn to my disciples and explain to them how I live and how I operate. And like how I, how I basically walk by faith. So he launches into it, um, which we're going to look at in a second. But first, the first thing to kind of know is we were made to seek things. As individuals, as people, not Christians, but as human beings in general, we were made to seek things out. Um. I personally think that's why like movies like National Treasure, etc. are so popular. Because we were made to seek things out. Um, This applies to all of humanity. Um, And so it's just a question of what we're seeking. So in verse 29 and 30, we're going to kind of skip ahead and then we're going to go back. Because first we're going to look at what the world seeks out. So Jesus says in verse 29... He says what not to seek. He says, And do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink. And do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. Um, Basically, the world is seeking a constant pursuit of possession-based security. Um, if If you're an orphan, if you do not believe in God, or even if you believe in God, but you don't think he's your father, you are going to be, your default is to seek possessions in order to build your own security. It's what's going to happen. So you're going to be like, how, how do I collect as much wealth as possible so I don't have to worry about this? And how do I, like, you know, how do I get a home or get married so I don't have to worry about being lonely all these things are the pursuit of possession based security. And so Jesus is like this is what the world seeks. You guys have seen this, right? In your friends and stuff like that. Okay. Cool. It's funny like I'll just let you know it does not go away when you find the initial thing you're seeking for. It you'll just it'll just reattach to something else. So if if you're seeking uh security like in marriage, and you're like, man, I've got to find someone to get married to so that I don't have to worry about being alone, I don't have to worry about being single, all that kind of stuff. Once you get married, like even though that need is taken, you're you're still going to begin to worry about things because your inner security hasn't really been, hasn't found its root. So, yeah. I found this creeping up in my life. Like, right now, a lot of my friends in the church are buying homes. And I'm like, oh, I really want a house. And, um, and it's a good thing. But in our culture and in our society, when, like, buying a home is, it's really based on, it's not always based on, but it can be based on having that security that says, boy, it'll be nice to have, own my own home because when I get it paid off, I'll know that I've got $80,000 or $90,000 if I need to sell it. That's like that possession-based security. Let me say right now, these things are not bad. Getting married, not bad, good. Um, owning a home, not bad, good. But if our security is found in those, then it's just it's going to be faulty and it's not going to satisfy. Um, so that's what Jesus is driving at. He says, dude... <laughs> Do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. Wow. Do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. That is a high call. How many of you guys know that's a high call? That is a crazy high call. (laughs) Oh. How many of you, when you lose your job, your first instinct is to start seeking another job? Yeah? I, no, just to be honest, I know. That's like, and if you don't, right, like your parents slash your friends are like, get off your lazy behind and go find a job. Because you remaining in that place scares me. Like, go find security quick. You're freaking me out. It's good for your parents. They need to rest in the Father. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so now we're going to look. Um, boy, did I, I think I covered that pretty thoroughly. Yeah, so that's kind of what the world does. The world is constantly seeking what they will eat, what they will drink, um, like what will provide them with the security. They're living a life of worry. Again, because if you do not uh, if you do not have a father that takes care of these things for you, then you have to. You're responsible for your life. That's scary. Okay, Uh, verse. Now we'll go to verse 22. He says, and he said to his disciples, For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life. So it's kind of like he's going at it again. As to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. For the life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Um, Consider the the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds. And which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? If then you cannot do even this very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Let me see. Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothes himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you men of little faith? Um, he kind of sums it all up in the first thing when he says, do not worry about your life. Um, so how do we do this? How do we not worry about our life? Actually, I do have the answer, but uh, <laughs> in part. Um, I will say this. We, the way to not worry about your life is not by choosing not to worry. I was taught that a lot. Like, here, memorize this Bible verse about not worrying to help you not worry. And then when worry comes up, choose not to worry. This is not how you do it. That will not work. Okay? Just so you guys know, too, Jesus, this is is so valuable because, like, a lot of Jesus' teachings, he's laying out how he lives life. Like, how he operates on a daily basis. This is this is huge because we want to live like Jesus because he was really happy, he had a lot of joy, and he didn't worry about his life. Hmm. Are you guys still are you, still are you guys still hung up on the whole thing about like not pursuing your job? Did that make sense? That because that's offensive, like in America. Yeah. Yeah, that's offensive in America, not to like it's not an excuse for laziness, but our first response, our first response is turning and thanking the father. As we learn to walk by faith, Whew. resting in him, being like, anyway, we'll get more into it. I'm excited. So, how do we how do we fulfill this challenge that Jesus is presenting in this picture of how he's living his life. Verse 24, Jesus kind of gives us a picture of like, he's like trying to explain it to his disciples, how they can get it. So he says, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds. Um, What I'm gathering from that is Jesus is saying one huge piece of the puzzle that you need to get is your value. If you do not see how valuable you are, you're not going to be able to not worry about your life. Um, Jesus is like, simply put, God the Father takes care of the ravens, which if you just stop and think about that, it's pretty crazy on a daily basis. But he's like, how much more valuable then are you? Um, The Apostle Paul put it this way. He who did not spare his own son, how will he not freely give us all things? You guys know that verse? It's in Romans 8. That was Paul getting a revelation of how valuable he was. As we begin to like walk with the Father, this these are, like he knows how to, he knows how to bring you into a walk of faith. And so you guys probably already realize like, whoa, like he's been speaking value into me and how valuable I am. Like he's already probably planted that in you guys' hearts and his lives, whether it's through words of the prophetic, prophetic words that you've gotten or maybe uh, like just things that he's shown you, like verses that he's given you. And so it's like the reason, I mean, part of the reason is he's just revealing truth to you. But part of the reason is he's setting you up to be able to not worry about your life. So the first thing is value. The second thing is found in verse 30. The second key to not having to worry is, for all these things the the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need these things. The second thing is an understanding or revelation that the Father knows. Father knows. This is huge. Psalm 139. We're going to look at Psalm 139 because David walked in a powerful revelation of what the Father knows. Psalm 139. I'm going to read it just because it's good. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. There it is. See, I'm not making stuff up. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my line down and are intimately, intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind him before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. <clears throat> so David's like, David's pouring out his heart in this revelation God has given him about. God the Father is like, I know when you sit down and when, I, when you rise up. That doesn't leave a lot of room for God not knowing things about David's life or about our life. And so David gets into this, and I love verse 6, because he's like, it's too wonderful for me. Like, as I as I think on this, I become over, like, it's almost like I'm overwhelmed. It's just too good. Like, how can this be true? This is a hard thing to kind of lay hold of. Um, but as we begin to walk in the revelation of this, it's going to become easier and easier not to worry in our lives. Um... Knowing our value and our Father frees us up to walk in relational security, to live by faith. So remember we were talking about how the world walks, and actually a lot of Christians walk in possession-based security, where it's like, okay, I have this, I have these things in my life, I've got this going for me, so I'm good. Jesus is wanting to free us up to this new level that says, the Father knows and values me, so I'm good. So I'm good. One way you can tell is, uh, like if a person is walking in relational security is when, like, crap hits the fan, what happens? You know? When they lose a house, when they lose a job. It's like, relational security? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And it's not fake. And I'm not... I'm not, I don't want fake people. Like, I don't want people to pretend. If, <laughs> if we're not in that place, God understands. And we'll just cry out to him and, and he'll meet us in that place. But there is a level that says, when we lose our job or whatnot, that we can walk in this place that says, wow, God knows and cares. He has something good for me. Which is exciting which I call living by faith. Um, This does several things for us. It opens up our prayer life. There's a bunch of things that we don't need to pray about. Right? I think a lot of, not a lot of people, I think some people come with prayer requests and we pray about them where Jesus might just say, you have little faith. Right? Right? Because it's covered if you're a believer. It's covered. If you're like, man, I don't know where my next meal is coming from. It's covered. That's stuff you don't have to worry about. You don't have to ask him for. You don't have to ask him for that stuff. Like that's a that's a given in the kingdom. Whether even like whether you have the faith for it or not, that's a given. So this is going to open up our prayer life because it's going to set us free from like a bunch of stuff that we don't have to pray for anymore. Okay. Um, If we're living by faith and not worried about life, we're free also to seek the kingdom. Verse 31. Let's turn back to Luke 12. twelve thirty one. So right after he gets done saying, For all these things the nations eagerly seek, but your father knows that you need these things, he says, Seek first his kingdom, all these and all these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. So Jesus is like, this is how I live like Now that you don't have to worry about what everybody else in the world is worried about, you're going to have extra time. And in that extra time, what you can do is you can seek the kingdom. So I was telling you guys, like, we're built to seek things. So if you're not seeking uh, these things to build up your own security, to build up your bank account, to build up so that you feel secure in life, you're freed up to seek other things. That's good news. So if you struggled with like, man, I'd really, God, I really want to be married and um, like to have that security and you're able to lay that thing down and say, God, you know, like I actually really wasn't trusting you with that. I can lay this at your feet. And it's like now, instead of having to constantly look for your life partner, you're freed up to just seek his kingdom, seek his truth. And then God's like, perfect. Now it's like, I can actually get you ready when I'm ready to bring that spouse along. You're actually going to speed up the process. It's good news. Really good news. Um, faith frees you. There you go. Faith sets you free. Um, keep in mind too, you guys know Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, if tonight we're like, I don't, I don't know where you're at on your faith journey, guys. Honestly, I have victories and I have defeats. I have days where it's like, man, I am seeing this happen in my life. And I'm like, um, you know, I've got like one of my employees and they're challenging my authority. And I'm like, thank you, God, for like teaching me things in leadership and stuff like that. And I've got other days where I'm not walking in that faith. So it's like, it's a journey. Keep in mind, there's no condemnation for you, no matter where you're at in this walk. If you're like, boy, if tonight you're realizing, you know, I think I spent a lot of time seeking these things like, like what am I going to eat? And like, how am I going to secure myself this way? God is, God is perfectly fine with that and he's excited to lead you into a walk of faith. Um, but what does this look like? So Jesus, like, Jesus taught his disciples on this, but he also demonstrated it. So we're going to take a look at that. Mark 4.35. Mark 4.35. Before we go there, do you guys have any questions? Is what I'm saying making sense? Because I feel like it's a little choppy. Is it making sense? Pretty straightforward? Okay. Mark 4.35. On that day when evening came... He, Jesus said to his disciples, "Let us go over to the other side of the sea." Leaving the crowd, they took him along, leaving the crowd. They took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much, so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, "Teacher." Do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I love this story. This is a good story. It kind of demonstrates exactly what Jesus taught. Um, So you've got the middle of a storm, and Jesus is asleep on a cushion. I love that it says he was on a cushion. I don't know why, but I like that. Um, Jesus was not worried about his life. (laughs) It says the boat is filling up with water. Jesus is not worried about his life. Wow. I just am in awe of his faith. Because Jesus was a man just like me and you, but he just had this faith that says, you know what, God the Father has got this. He's got this. Yeah. Guys, faith will let us rest in storms. I'm going to tell you a story. Um... I, I used to work at American. Uh, it was like, there was a TV and electronic place. And uh, we got the news that uh, someone had bought us out. Like, Household Appliance that was also on 41 had bought us out. And um, this is where, like, for the first time, I really saw this in action where, man, like, my fellow employees who didn't know the father were freaking out. And uh, there was a guy who, like, man, like, we didn't even know for sure that it was happening. He was already, like, buying gifts and dropping his resume off, like, at the other place, like, out of fear. And, um, and it, like, honestly, it was a storm because, you know what? There's, um, like, they have kids to feed, stuff like that. <laughs> But it was really cool, because God gave me a word, and he said, Ryan, you do not have to, like, go down there and turn in a resume. And um, so, like, what happened is they got announced, and so everyone in my store pretty much dropped off a resume at this place that was going to take over, and um, I regularly got asked, Ryan, did you get called for an interview yet? You know, or Ryan, did you hand in your resume at this other place? And um, I told people no. No, I... Feel like God said that I don't have to do that, and um, it was like crazy because the look on their face was sheer terror. They were like, What is he doing? <laughs> you know, because they knew they were like, He's got a small family, like, what is he gonna do? And um, I'll be honest, right? I mean, I held faith, and like the day that we closed, I was like, Corey, like, this is hard because the time to like hand in my resume at the other place had come and gone, and I'm like, Corey, are you sure? And this is where it's, like, awesome to have a sweet life partner. And she's like, Ryan, when you hear something from God, it's true. Like, it's true. And so that was, like, the extra faith boost I needed. And, um, but I really saw for the first time, like, man, like, these people were shaken. They were shaken by this thing, by this storm. Faith will let us rest when, like, things are going crazy around us. How many of you guys want that? Come on. I know. I'm right there with you. Life or death, though, man, that's what Jesus had. He's sleeping on a cushion. All right. um, Verse 39. Let's see. Verse 39 says, And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died, and it became perfectly calm. Guys, we often have a choice in a moment between fear and faith. We have a choice between fear and faith. Um, When we rest in storms and don't succumb to fear, we're able to see what the Father is doing. I'll say that one more time. When we rest in storms and don't succumb to fear, we are able to see what the Father is doing. a good word. So, so here's what was happening. And the, the boat is filling up with water and the disciples, what they see, what they see is a boat filling up with water and their lives ending. Okay. That's what they're seeing in the spirit. So when that is what you are seeing like, you respond to what you see. And so the disciples are like, crap. They're probably, like, bailing it out. And then, like, one of them's like, man, let's go get Jesus. He could either be helping, or maybe he'll do something spiritual to help us out. <laughs> okay? So what the disciples were seeing was from the place of fear. So they saw a boat filling up with water. Jesus gets woken up. And because he's, he sees the Father rebuking a storm because he's in the place of rest. I would argue vehemently, yes, it's true. It's very true. If the disciples had been walking in the same faith as Jesus, they would have seen the Father rebuking the storm and had the same option. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been fair for Jesus to rebuke them if they didn't have the exact same option. Right? So if they'd been walking... In this place, which is, I, I'm, not, I'm not joking, guys. This is a crazy level. But Jesus is like calling out these illiterate disciples and saying, where's your faith on this? So I'm letting them call us all out. <laughs> but it's like, oh, it's, it's such a high level that, but Jesus was walking in this place of value, right? And the knowledge that God knew, So Jesus is sitting in that, resting in that place. And because he's resting in that place, he sees that what God is doing is he's rebuking the storm and he gets up and he rebukes the storm. But the disciples could have been the ones. They could have done it. They'd been in that place of faith, resting too, and then they could have seen, wait, Father, you're rebuking the storm. Maybe that's what I'll do. Verse 40. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Um, This is an interesting dilemma that we have to face in the church because the disciples' response to a storm in their life is to cry out to Jesus. And they get rebuked for it. Oh... The disciples are not rebuked for not calming the storm, but for becoming afraid. Man, if we can get this as a church, we'll go from praying about the same things that we always pray about to changing our community, to changing our culture, to being influencers of the culture, to being people who transform those around us. Man. (laughs) It's really offensive that, like, the disciples are like, crap has hit the fan, I'm going to go get Jesus. And Jesus has said, what are you doing? (laughs) Jesus rebukes them for it. It's not the right response. I'm not saying that Jesus is like, you can't ever come to me. But what I'm saying is Jesus is challenging them to say, when there's a storm, you have the opportunity to rest if you can remain in the place of faith. So often we're taught that in storms, we run and we cry out to God for an answer. And oftentimes we'll look and see, if we look back like two weeks or a month, and we like, uh, we'll like, we see that God has actually spoken to us about that situation, and He's wanting to um, bring us to the place where we can rest in Him. 6.42, we're not doing And I really think, like, I've often questioned, like, Jesus, this seems really, really harsh. Do you guys feel that way? Or no? you guys struggle with that sometimes? Where it's like Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water, and Jesus is like, oh, you have little faith. And you're like, oh, man. <laughs> seems like you should have been like, Peter, you're amazing. But what I really think is, like, the more and more I see it and the more and more like we understand the heart of Jesus and the heart of God where it's like um, he realizes what a cripple worry has on our life and so he's not afraid to call it like it is and say listen you're still not walking in faith yet and if you understand that there's no condemnation in the kingdom it's okay that you're not walking in this level of faith yet but just so you know that's where you're at (laughs) This is where you're at. How many of you guys like, like the honest truth? Sometimes. Sometimes I like the honest truth. My wife is a giver of the honest truth. Sometimes it's really hard to receive, right? But that's the only place that we can grow from when we're like, you know what? I don't know if I'm, I'll be honest if like, if I'm out in, the, out in a boat in the middle of the water and I'm not going to declare that over. But it would be a challenge for sure to remain in the place of faith in a life or death situation. But it's up to our generation to begin to see like these things change. Because it may not be too long until we're faced with this and the world will be looking to us for answers, and people will be freaking out, you know, if tomorrow the government collapses, and all of a sudden there's, you know, not as much food around as there normally is, a lot of people are going to be freaking out. And we'll have the opportunity, if, we, if we're in the place of faith, if we understand our value, Right? We understand that God knows the future. He knows the past. And he thinks about me all the time. He knows when I sit down and when I rise up. So he knew this was going to happen. We can rest in that place. It will give us the opportunity to see what the Father is doing. Whether it is like reproducing food for the multitudes. Right? Because God might want to do that. And if he wants to do that, like... It's just our job to be his vessels, to do that. Come on. And we'll see, guys. I don't know, like, more and more, like, our religious liberties are being, like, taken away. How many of you guys realize, like, that the tolerance movement is very intolerant to those who do not value tolerance? Right? (laughs) That's a good word. So it might be very soon that we have to begin walking in faith. And I'm, all I'm saying is, like, let's start now. Let's not wait until, like, crap hits the fan to be like, all right, now I have to trust you, Holy Spirit, with everything. Like, let's start now. And you know what? We're in a great position because I don't know about you guys, but I don't have a ton of money. <laughs> and I don't think you guys do either. So it's an awesome opportunity to be like, God, Teach me to walk by faith. Now. Because he's wanting to. He's got you guys on a journey, and so I'm confident of that. Let's see. I'm out of time. 6.46. Okay. I think we'll all pray, and then we might... How many of you guys... Are you guys... How many of you guys have received prophetic words before? One, two, three. Have you guys, Mike, you have Helen, have you? No? Okay. Um, How many of you guys have given prophetic words before? One. Rosie, two, three. Okay, cool. That's exciting. Maybe we'll do a little bit of this tonight since we talked about faith. Um. You really, there's really nothing to be afraid of. It's, it's just going to be like listening and saying what God says about somebody. So I'm going to pray and then I think we're going to do a short prophetic activity and then we'll be done. So God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for, um, uh, Jesus, thank you for challenging us to live lives of faith. Um, Continue to just show us the keys of um, what it's going to take to walk in that, God. And Jesus, uh, man, continue to press us into the place of um, uncomfortability, Lord, that we would um, walk in faith, Lord. That we would walk in a true trust in you for everything, Lord, for every day, Father. Give us that, Lord, to walk in, Lord. Amen. One thing I forgot that I remember during prayer is relational security often looks like remaining in the place of uncomfortability. Oh! It is so easy, guys, to walk, have a victory in faith, and then to, like, step right back into, like, okay, I'd rather not remain now any longer in this place of uncomfortability. But I would just encourage you guys to remain in the place of uncomfortability. Like if you start to walk on water, keep walking on water. Just keep going. Like if you trust God one month. Because it's like, you know what's crazy is it doesn't, get, it doesn't get any easier to give prophetic words like in the marketplace. Like when you see someone and God's like, I want you to tell them this. It doesn't get any easier, but like let's, let's go after it.